All right, Lone Star Gunners, welcome to the program. This is Lone Star Gun Talk, and I am your host, as always, Derek Wills, and I am humbled to be here. Um, so this is the second episode of special of a special series that we have going on where we are speaking to the very few handful of candidates that Lone Star Gun Rights has endorsed for uh, various offices in the Texas legislature. Right now we have on the line uh, Jay Wiley, who is running against incumbent Paul Workman in House District 47. Mr. Wiley, welcome to Lone Star Gun Talk. Hey, Derek. Good to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, anytime. I, uh, it's my pleasure to have you on and introduce you to or introduce our audience to you and um, and find let them find out a little bit more about you. So, uh, first question is a pretty basic one. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, why you're running for HD forty seven. Sure. Well, I grew up in Galveston. Um, I attended uh, the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. And uh, and when it was when I was there, I really got involved in Republican politics, and I started uh, working on campaigns, uh, interning, and doing things like that. I really got um, well, really going back to high school and to middle school. I really became um, really fascinated with uh, with freedom, <laughs> with limited government, uh, and uh, and so I started really on that course back then. Um, I after the Citadel, I got hired to go work on the staff of former senator from Texas, uh, Phil Graham, in Washington D.C. So, I went up to Washington and I worked for uh, for Phil Graham for a couple of years, and he was really a mentor to me in a lot of ways. And um, and I got back to Texas. I guess it was about 15 or 16 years ago. Met my wife, uh, moved to Travis County where we live, and uh, we started a family. Um, I worked uh, in the meantime. I worked at Texas Public Policy Foundation in the Center for Economic Freedom. Um, I was chief of staff for a member, uh, a conservative Republican member of the legislature, several years ago. Um, in recent years, uh, my wife, uh, who's an OB/GYN, my wife and I uh, started a medical practice, and so we own that together. And uh, my wife does the medicine; she's the medical director, and I run the business and do all the finances and everything for the business. So we own that together and run that. That's my day job. And uh, But, you know, I've, in the meantime, I've been an activist. Um, I started an organization called Austinites for Tax Relief uh, that helped fight bonds and different things uh, in, uh, in Travis County. And uh, I was Republican precinct chair. Uh, I've uh, helped countless campaigns. I used to work for the Travis County Republican Party as uh, kind of coordinating campaigns and things. And so I've been a, uh, an activist for a long time. Awesome. We're going to get to the Second Amendment. We're a Second Amendment group, obviously, but everybody has their own priorities, and uh, I'm sure that many of them are not related to the Second Amendment. So what are some of the issues that you plan on taking on then spearheading in the legislature that are not related to gun rights? Well, the number one thing that I hear at doors, and I've knocked on over 13,000 doors in the last couple of years, um, and um, the number one thing that I hear about in Travis County is property taxes. Um, Travis County is the worst in the state. It's, uh, you know, we've got the city of Austin and Travis County that love big government, and big government is really, really expensive. And um, homeowners pay the brunt of that in Travis County, and so property tax relief is the number one priority of mine. Um, of course, gun rights, uh, life. I'm uh, very pro-life and uh, certainly support pro-life measures, and that'll be a priority for me too. You know, really, just in general, 
cutting regulations, getting government smaller, getting government out of our lives. Um, all of that's um, uh, why I'm doing this. All right. Well, you know, one of the things that I have an issue with as far as property tax is concerned, I mean, I understand we need a revenue generating mechanism and nobody is a fan of income tax. Uh, and to be honest, whenever it comes to property tax, it essentially means you never own your property. If you have your mortgage completely paid off, you are in possession of the deed, that house is still not yours because if you don't pay your property taxes to the state of Texas, they can come in and repossess it. So That's right. We effectively lease our homes from the government in perpetuity. Right, and that means that we don't have a right to property, essentially. And so, yeah, right. yeah so I, ha I have a huge problem with that. C.J. Grisham, I had him on the program the other day, and uh, he brought up John Locke's philosophy of life, life, liberty, and property. And that's the yeah. that's at the crux of our founding documents. And exactly. in, in fact, the original draft of the Declaration of Independence didn't say pursuit of happiness. It actually said property. <laughs> that's exactly right, Derek. You're exactly right. I guess my question is, what sort of things do you have in mind regarding taxes uh, in a way that we can fund the government, but not in a way that's essentially stealing from the citizens of the state? Sure. Well, number one, no income tax. Uh, that is uh, that has been an economic – not having an income tax has been an economic engine for Texas, and that's not going to happen on a Republican watch. I can't imagine that happening. So no income tax. So – how do we fund the government if we want to get rid of property taxes? Well, in the short run, I would like dramatic property tax relief. If we were to go to zero-based budgeting at the state level, we would save billions of dollars. If we were to have a full audit of TxDOT, we could save billions of dollars. There are ways to do it. Now, that's the short term. Okay, That's to provide you know, short-term property tax relief. Um, in the long run, if we were to add three-cent sales tax, onto the current sales tax. We could zero out property taxes entirely. And by the way, get rid of all 254 tax appraisal districts in Texas. That's a lot of government that we can get rid of because a fairer way to do taxation is on economic activity rather than on a fixed asset, your home, that there's an imaginary number assigned to, and that's your appraisal because your home is not really worth what the appraisal is until you sell it. That's when it's worth that. The appraisal is really just a guesstimate. It's an imaginary number. So I would like people, I would like citizens of Texas to be the masters of their own economic destiny. They can plan for what they want to buy. In other words, the economic activity they engage in. When, you get, when you're a homeowner and you get that assessment every year, you don't know what you're in for. You don't know what you're in store for. We would get rid of that. So all that uncertainty would go away in the Texas economy. And people at, like Texas Public Policy Foundation – have studied that proposal and said that if we were to do that, it would be a net gain of billions and billions of dollars to the Texas economy. Um, and I think that's the direction we should move in. Now, that's not going to happen overnight. We know that. That's going to be a huge fight in the legislature for years and years. Um, but that's the direction that I want to move us in. And, and we're starting to build momentum around that idea, too. And, of course, you can't have tax relief without uh, cuts in spending as well. Sure. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, well, if you cut taxes, then you're not going to be able – you know, we're not going to generate as much revenue. And I tell people that's kind of the point. We don't <laughs> need to keep funding yeah. these yeah. you know, atrocious, wasteful uh, programs. That's right. And typically when I have this conversation, it's at the federal level. But you know, the state of Texas has a lot of waste in and of itself as well. That's right. That's and right. 
And so I would like to see spending cut drastically. And I know that we run surpluses every two years, and that's fantastic. But I would also like to see wasteful spending cut entirely. That's exactly right, because so many other states, by the way, and the federal government look to what's going on in Texas. I've lived in other parts of the country, and I remember hearing, what's going on in Texas? What are they doing in Texas? We're such a big state, such a big economy in Texas that how to do government, you know, a lot of people around the country look to Texas. So um, there's a lot of room for improvement. Absolutely. And one of my favorite sayings is the government that governs best is the government that governs least. And so that's the kind of Texas that I'm hoping for. There are many things in, in across the state of Texas that had me raise an eyebrow uh, that it just doesn't make any sense. Like whenever I go and get my hair cut and I talk to my barber and I find out that he has to get licensed from the state and take 1,500 hours in order to cut hair. Right. That's, that's that right. sort of thing. It's like I was cutting hair for people when I was in the Navy. <laughs> right. Uh, it, right. It's not that difficult. Right, right. I had I had many a uh, many a barracks cut when I was at the Citadel. Believe me. Right. <laughs> you, you know, uh, and I understand the difference between a good quality haircut and a bad quality haircut, but yeah. that's where capitalism comes in, and it kind of yeah. sorts itself out. It does. That's right. That's right. Let's shift gears now and talk about the bread and butter of Lone Star Gun Rights, the single focus that we have on as an organization, and that is our right to keep and bear arms in the Second Amendment. I want to ask you how you feel in your personal philosophies about how the Second Amendment applies in the role of the federal government. We'll get to the state of Texas later. Well, you know, um, the state created the federal government, you know, um, and I think, and, and that's actually a big, uh, a big reason why I'm running, because not only did the states create the federal government, but they created cities like Austin that are out of control. And so it's the state's duty to protect liberty. Um, and, uh, and we need to reassert our rights under the Tenth Amendment. It's, it's black and white. The Tenth Amendment stands. And um, so I think that Texans and everyone else needs to assert their rights under the Tenth Amendment. Um, but uh, the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution is very clear. Congress shall make no law. And um, um, it's, uh, it's in black and white. And I take a very fundamentalist approach to that, um, like I do the rest of the Constitution, is that the plain text is what stands. And uh, all the efforts, uh, federal or at the state level, to whittle away at the edges of our Second Amendment rights um, uh, don't stand for me because um, uh, the Second Amendment does not abide uh, regulations like keep getting tried to uh, you know, push down our throat every day. There are many people out there who believe that the Bill of Rights doesn't apply to the states. It only applies to the federal government. I'm curious to know what you believe the relationship between the state of Texas and the Second Amendment is. Well, the 14th Amendment makes sure that the, the uh, U.S. Constitution applies to the 50 states. And so the Second Amendment applies not only to Congress, but it applies to all the states as well. And so our Second Amendment rights um, are, uh, are um, in black and white, and um, Texas, of course – stands up for those rights, or should stand up for those rights more than most. Now, we've fallen behind in the last several years because many good uh, pro-gun measures have died in the Texas House. Um, so other states have catapulted over Texas, sadly, in, uh, in terms of uh, uh, the freedom uh, uh, to keep and bear arms. But I want to get us back up toward the top of that list. And so um, I'm going to join with the Freedom Caucus 
and uh, and fight for our Second Amendment rights. I think we're going to have a lot more members of the Freedom Caucus after this next election, and uh, I'm really excited about it. I hope we can push along constitutional carry, which you know uh, died in the Calendars Committee last um, session. Um, and uh, uh, Todd Hunter was the chairman of that committee, and he's a, he was a, a staunch Strauss ally. I hope we have a different chairman of uh, calendars this next time, and we're able to push it through. I'm going to work on that very hard. Last session, there were two bills that were filed that mm-hmm. were labeled as constitutional carry. Were you familiar with both of those? Yeah, with uh, uh, Representative White's bill and Representative Stickland's bill, yeah. Okay, and did you have a uh, uh, any issues with either of those bills? Were there things in there that you would have liked to have not seen, or were there things not in there that you would have liked to have seen? Uh, was one of the bills better in your view? Uh, you know, I would probably say that Johnson Stickland's bill was better. Um, but you know, I, you know, when it gets to that point, it's such an important issue. I'm not going to quibble around the around the uh, the edges. You know, I would have liked to see either one of them get through. Okay. Well, one of the one of the issues that uh, Lone Star Gun Rights took with uh, White's bill is that it tied uh, it tied your right to carry with uh, child support and if you owed the state of Texas any taxes, and basically tied all of the current eligibility requirements to get an LTC to your right to carry, and that was one of the things that I took a major issue with. Now, obviously, had it gotten through calendars, it could have been amended on the floor, um, and we'll never know what would have, how it would have played out because, like you said, it died in calendars, and uh, Stickland's bill uh, was left uh, pending in the Homeland Security and Public Safety Committee. So, I mean, we could speculate all day. Let's look forward to next session. I know what I would like it to look like, but I'm curious to know, what does Jay Wiley think a constitutional carry bill for the state of Texas should look like? Well, as strong as possible, um, as close to Representative Stickland's bill as we can get. Um, you know, obviously, like you say, it gets on the floor and amendments start getting added. And on, on, on a subject like this, uh, it could get wild and woolly on the floor. Um, I just hope that we have um, – I hope that we get that far, <laughs> number one. I hope that we have good – a good solid speaker who supports good solid Second Amendment loving uh, members of committees, so that we can get it out of committee, and then get it to the floor and have more conservative members um, that are actually allowed to um, uh, to bring the amendments that they want to bring. Um, and so, um, I want to get it as strong as possible, um, as pure and as clean a bill as possible, without a lot of things hanging on it, a lot of ornaments hanging on it. Um, that's that's what I'd like to see. Do do you think that it should uh, expand to include carrying on college campuses? Absolutely. Okay, and absolutely. that includes open carry as well. Yes. Okay. Uh, absolutely, because I mean, as you and your listeners know, the most dangerous place you can be is a gun-free zone. I mean, we learned that yesterday in Florida. Uh, we've learned it uh, in so many places, including here in Texas. And so one of the big reasons that, uh, that I'm running against Paul Workman is he voted for gun-free zones on college campuses. And uh, for anyone that wants to see it, there's an exchange that we had in a debate, and it's on my, my website, votejwiley.com. It's a, it's a link right there on the front page. Had an exchange about how he thought it was a good idea to give college, liberal college administrators the right to say where people can and can't uh, have guns on campus. 
And uh, as we know where gun-free zones are, that's uh, your sitting duck. Absolutely. And uh, people have a right to defend themselves and, uh, and really no exceptions to that. Now, on that topic of gun-free zones, uh, there are several um, – there are several places that are state-mandated gun-free zones, and in some areas, it will later list a provision that it doesn't apply unless they post a notice per 30-06, 30-07, and others, it's it's not. I would like to see th- that list of mandated gun-free zones uh, minimalized, and I'm talking bare bones minimali- mi- minimalized. It should be essentially prisons. That, that's yeah. about the only place yeah. that I can justify right. a gun-free zone right. being. And that's because guards don't even carry there. Uh, so so I take it you would support repealing state-mandated gun-free zones in that manner. I would, absolutely, I do. On 30-06 and 30-07, there, there are plenty of issues that we, that we as Lone Star Gun Rights have on it. And I don't think that either Stickland's bill or White's bill properly addressed it. In Stickland's bill, he changed the word license holder to person. And in White's bill, he changed it to add a 30 8 to include somebody who just doesn't have a license. And I think that's the complete wrong way to go about it. The way the law is written is that it's a Class C misdemeanor if you walk past a sign while carrying. If, somebody, if an authority at the business tells you to leave or asks you to leave or conceal and you don't at that point it becomes a class a misdemeanor what that essentially means is that the property owner doesn't have a real say on whether or not to press charges if a cop sees you he can fine you under a class c misdemeanor and and i take a huge issue with that i think one of the things that needs to be reformed with that is it should require an authority to ask you to either conceal or leave and if you don't that's when it should become an offense. What do you think about that? I think that makes great sense, Derek. I mean, I would support that. I think that makes perfect sense. Another issue that we have is the fact that the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission has any say-so whatsoever in the keeping and bearing of arms. You have mm-hmm. establishments that serve food that and alcohol that are required to post the blue signs that we're all familiar with. And then if there's a 51% establishment, also known as a bar, they have to post the red 51% felony signs, which means it is a felony for somebody like me to just cross the threshold of that business. I take an exception or a huge – I have a huge problem with that because I'm not a big drinker. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not an alcoholic or anything. It's just that my drinking days are behind me. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are plenty of people that will go to a bar – and choose not to drink or at least choose not to get intoxicated. And uh, another thing that the code doesn't offer is defining mm-hmm. intoxicated. So it's officer's discretion. I'd like to see that felony note or that felony charge completely repealed. I think it should be entirely up to the business, business owner, as we just discussed, required to ask you to leave uh, and, and before it becomes the regular misdemeanor offense. Uh, what do you think yeah. about that? I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, there's no there's no difference fundamentally in your right to protect yourself. Your right to defend yourself doesn't end at the doors to the bar or the restaurant or anywhere else. And again, gun-free zones are incredibly dangerous places, and uh, um, I support the right of people to defend themselves. And there's really no fundamental difference between an establishment like that and an office building or someplace else because the same principle applies. 
and that is that law-abiding people will follow the law and then therefore become sitting ducks because law-abiding people, uh, by definition, are not going to follow the uh, sign on the door. Absolutely. And so, and that applies anywhere. It doesn't matter what they're serving. It doesn't matter what product they're 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 serving. Okay, that applies in an office building the same as it does in a restaurant or a bar. The thing about laws like this is that they were seem to be designed to take a proactive approach. You know, we don't want people to be intoxicated while uh, while carrying a firearm. So, in order to prevent that, they made it a felony to carry into a bar. And so to prevent a crime from happening, they created another crime to prevent the first crime, and it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Well, I think you're right, Derek, because, you know, and we have to, as, as, as Second Amendment rights lovers like we are, we have to push back against this false, faulty notion that for every ill in society, every bad thing that happens, that there is a government solution for it, and there just isn't. I'm sad to say that humans have been killing other humans since the dawn of time and long before firearms existed, okay? And I'm also sad to report that they always will. Now, we can either give up our liberties while trying to stop that, and that's a bad idea, or we can understand that fundamental fact and we can work around it and understand that this is a problem of human beings and a problem of the heart like we saw in Florida yesterday. Uh, this is not a problem of the tools people implement to do harm to other people because if guess what? If they don't have a firearm, they're going to find another tool, and that's what they do in other parts of the country where they don't have necessarily firearms like we do. They either blow each other up or they do other things. Okay, This has been going on for millennia and always will, uh, and so the answer is not to relinquish our fundamental rights. It's uh, it's to find other ways to, to address these problems, and it's really a problem of the heart. It's a problem of our culture that young people are you know killing each other or what have you. There isn't a law that can uh, can fix that problem, and that's what the left seems to think. Absolutely, you know, a lot of people seem to forget what happened in Oklahoma City uh, back in '93 yeah. '94. Yeah. Uh, yeah. McVeigh didn't use a single firearm. And he killed 168 people. And a lot of people say, well, after that, we had a bunch of harsh regulations on fertilizer. Well, that doesn't necessarily stop anything. There, there are many alternative methods. Just If somebody is so inclined, they can go get the Anarchist Cookbook and yeah. wreak havoc. Yeah. Evil finds a way right. no matter what laws are in place. And yeah. you're absolutely right when you say that. I think that it's um, it's asinine to to take these sorts of feel good approaches the, that, that are typically stemmed from knee jerk reactions to try really and say is. we need to we need to prevent this from happening. It, and, it really is, and it really is lazy thinking too, Derek. It's it's two dimensional instead of three dimensional thinking. It's so easy to say, well, then just pass a law. Whose right. fault is it? Well, it's the NRA. You know, <laughs> that's really lazy thinking. It's more complicated than that. Absolutely, not every problem has actually has a solution, let alone a government solution. Exactly. exactly. You know, and I'll, more often than not, <laughs> the government's so-called solution is it makes the problem worse. Mm -hmm. Now, I yeah. I absolutely agree. One of the things that drives me crazy, uh, and you typically hear it from. Republicans, 
because they, they don't want to be tied with gun control. The rhinos don't want to be tied with gun control. So they'll talk about mental health. And to me, that's a euphemism for gun control. And the, mm-hmm. the, the reason is because mental health, yes, there are people out there that have actual issues, schizophrenia, bipolar, and things like that. But you can't say they can't have a firearm. That violates their right to privacy. That violates HIPAA and all sorts of things. And if you give the government that sort of power, then they can define whatever they want to be a, quote, mental health issue. And then there are others that aren't diagnosable. There are no signs. It's just a, a, it's a triggered event and and pardon the, the use of the word. It just happens and there's no answer for it. And I wish that there was, because I, I don't – if there was an answer for it, we wouldn't need the Second Amendment. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I think you're exactly right. So I just have a couple more questions. I don't want to take too much more of your time away. I know that that is a precious commodity at the moment. Uh, you are in a, a campaign against a well-funded incumbent, and early voting is just around the corner. Uh, so I won't take up too much more of your time. Before Chris Christie left office as governor of New Jersey, he signed a bill that banned bump stocks. And we hear this all throughout the media. Uh, they want to do it at the federal level. And, and then again, they also want to deregulate suppressors. And to me, the bump stock was the free market solution to the full auto ban of 1986, which I think is unconstitutional. What do you think about that? You know, I don't support any of those measures. I mean, I take a very, um, I take a very hard line approach. Um, we have lots of people in government that want to whittle away our rights. Uh, there are many, many voices for all of those kinds of points of view. I am going to be the voice for those who say enough, just enough. Um, our Second Amendment rights are clear. Um, they're they're laid out in the Second Amendment to the Constitution, and I'm not going to give an inch. I'm just not going to give an inch, and um, uh, because we, frankly, we, we've given up too many of our rights over the years, and uh, enough is enough. And I'm standing, I'm standing firm. Absolutely. And uh, I, I, and I think, and I think, frankly, that it's just posing on the part of politicians, mostly liberal politicians, uh, to do what they do. You know, whenever something happens, they feel compelled for political reasons, to, uh, to take some sort of actions, mostly symbolic. And uh, there are real consequences to our liberties when they do that. And uh, they move on down the road to their next election, but we're left with the, uh, uh, with the, uh, the repercussions of uh, you know, less liberty. So I say no. Absolutely. Well, you know, Jay, uh, you definitely sound like a candidate who's willing to spearhead uh, fighting to get some of the inches that we've already given up back, yeah. uh, both in the gun rights world as well as in every other aspect. Um, you know, the, the, we're so proud to endorse you because you are somebody who is willing to fight for liberty, not just in gun rights, but in everything else, every other aspect of life. Um, Thank you, Derek. I really appreciate that. I'm really honored to have uh, Lone Star Gun Rights endorsement. It really means a lot. Yeah, and for those that don't know, this is the first time that Lone Star Gun Rights has ever endorsed candidates before. We've never done it, so it, this is a big deal for us, and I know Jay knows that it's a big deal for him to, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay, if, if people want to help out, what, what can they do and what do you need most? 
Well, we can always use $5, $10. Every little bit helps. Uh, it really does. I'm running against uh, Paul Workman, who has uh, been in the legislature almost a decade. Um, his uh, campaign is funded by uh, builders, um, by uh, the construction industry, lobbyists, PACs. Um, I really am funded by $30, $50 donations from folks who just care about uh, a lot about liberty. And, um, and that's why I'm doing this. Um, we're really, really close to winning this race. Um, so if anyone wants to go to votejwiley.com, that's J-A-Y-W-I-L-E-Y, votejwiley.com, um, I'd appreciate just 5 or $10. Uh, it would make uh, a lot of difference. Those 5 or $10 donations definitely add up. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, I just don't have it. If you have anything that you can donate, it, it means the world. Because if you get 1,000 yeah. people donating a dollar, that's a thousand dollars. That and, and that buys a lot of yard signs. Absolutely, it really does. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So Jay, I really appreciate you coming on the program and and telling us a little bit about yourself and your philosophies. I sincerely wish you the best of luck in the March sixth primary. A reminder to everybody: early voting starts February twentieth, goes through March second. During that time, you can vote at any precinct in your county. And then March 6th is primary day, which you have to go to your specific precinct to vote. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for being here. If there's anything else I can do, uh, let me know. And uh, I wish you the best of luck, sir. Thank you, Derek. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Now, we heard a little bit ago, Jay brought up a video that he has on his website that shows a discussion between him and incumbent Paul Workman talking about how college campuses should be allowed to restrict the carry of firearms on their campuses or in certain areas. Now, I'm going to play this audio for you from this video. If you want to see it, you can just go to his webpage, votejwiley.com, and see the exchange for yourself. One thing that's important to note, and it ha it's touched on right at the very end. This is not a discussion of private property rights. This discussion is about allowing state colleges the ability to restrict your right to carry on state property. It just so happens to be a college campus. Anyway, check out this exchange. And I thought that it is appropriate that the college boards be able to create areas where it's just not uh, the right place for guns to go. And so I supported that. I don't think that makes me any less of an NRA, I mean, less of a Second Amendment supporter. Well, if you support the Second Amendment, I think you support, I do support, the, I support, the, support, Second support the right for people to protect themselves, right. no matter where they are. Second Amendment is very clear. No exceptions. The Second Amendment gives you the right to bear arms. So you, you, you ha would have exceptions to the Second Amendment? I would say that there are areas where people should be allowed to say, no, you can't bring a gun in here. Well, then we just Just like a, just like a private property. I mean, I should be able to tell people, no, you can't bring a gun on my private property. Oh, this is, we're not talking about private property. Well, here. but you. I mean, this, this, so, so what you're saying is Second Amendment, but with exceptions. And I just disagree. That should tell you everything that you need to know about Paul Workman. He's trying to justify the act of further infringing upon your Second Amendment rights, allowing state-funded universities the ability to further infringe upon your rights just because of reasons. All he could say is, well, it's not appropriate. Well, who gets to determine that? Some unelected board at the college? 
or unelected, you know, unaccountable bureaucrats. That's not how things work. That's not how they're supposed to work. If you live in House District 47, which is northeast, or I'm sorry, northwest side of Austin, basically the Lakeway, Lago Vista, Jonestown, B-Cave area, if you live in that district and you care about your Second Amendment rights as well as the rest of the, your liberties that affect your everyday life, there is only one candidate to support in the March 6th primary, and that is Jay Wiley. I highly encourage anybody who can to donate to his campaign. Go to votejaywiley.com and donate anything that you're comfortable with donating. Anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Be sure to subscribe if you have not already. We're going to be popping these episodes out like hotcakes during the next two weeks until primary day to get as many candidates on as possible. Staying subscribed means that you get notified as soon as a new episode uploads. Anyway, I will talk to you all soon. Until next time, Lone Star Gunners, arm yourself with knowledge and share the ammo.